So thank you for being here today, Sue. Um, and we're talking about divorce. We all know that divorce can have some serious effects on children's health and well-being. What would you say is the most common effect that you've seen divorce have on children between the ages of two and six? That's a very interesting question. Children take their lead from you, their parents or their nanny. And if you are tense, if you are anxious, if you are uncertain, they may not understand what actually is happening, but they certainly pick up on the atmosphere and the uncertainty or the tension in the home. And that's the sort of thing that can damage them. Um, I often say throughout divorce, no matter how old the kids are, it's not really the divorce that will damage them, it's the level of conflict experience so that is the thing to try and minimize the level of conflict and anxiety so I do all sorts of processes and strategies when I'm coaching parents one-to-one around how to tell the children how to do it depending on their ages and stages and I have uh, written about that so you know if people are interested in that I can uh, send you over my article or blog all around the different ages and stages and how it affects children. But certainly under the age of, you know, when they're two or younger, they're not really understanding what's going on, but they sense something. Right. And so what would you say is an effect that you see on children between seven and 11 and then maybe between 12 and 18? Because obviously they do understand what's going on. They hear things. They yes. They come up with their own versions of things. And so it becomes much harder than a two or three year old who has a limited understanding of what's going on. Yes, actually, I'll tell you an anecdote about a three year old, actually, before I tell you the other ages and stages. Yes. I remember working with a client, with some clients around a three year old. And often I just do an hour where I coach parents on telling the children because it's very important how you tell them yes. when you tell them where you tell them because actually I worked with a client and it was 50 years ago when her parents told her they were divorced and she could remember the exact color of her shoes her cardigan and where she was oh. and it was a very long time ago so this part just the telling of the children is very important I'm working with a client on Friday actually just around that or he's introducing a new partner after a divorce he wants to get that bit right as well um the three-year-old i remember when we were working with them we worked and we did it we got it all right and when they started to tell the three-year-old together and united and very calmly her bottom lip sort of went, and she said but who's going to take care of me she thought they were both going right so we presumed zoom things when they're only little that perhaps we need to make sure they understand and haven't got the wrong end of the stick now seven-year-olds to say 11-year-olds they're beginning to understand what's going on and of course they may then start feeling angry because they don't have much power sometimes in the situation remember one little girl that I work with because I work with families as well as just individual uh, parents uh, she said well no one's listening to me Mm. Um, you know, I have to get my rucksack packed on a Friday and go off to daddy's. And why doesn't mum have to pack a bag and go somewhere else? So right. it's interesting because they are becoming aware of their lives have changed. And sometimes, you know, they find that stressful, but also they have no say sometimes. The so fine balance between listening to your older child, which is important, 
infant, but also making the decisions for them because, of course, you're the adult. And the same thing happens with teenagers or children over 11, where they don't need to be absolutely involved in all the nitty gritty. It's not appropriate. But sometimes they could have a say in maybe, oh, on Wednesday, it's not a good idea for me to you know see dad or see mum because I'm actually playing sport that afternoon. Could mm. we make it Thursday? So that's a good idea to then start bringing them in in some of the actual co-parenting side of things so that they have a say in it. They feel listened to. They feel heard. And I always think that's very, very important. Yes, I think children respond better if they're involved rather than feeling that something is being done to them. They're actually part of a process. Would you say it's it's more important to have these conversations with the children in a place that's neutral or in a place that's familiar? I would say in a place that's familiar, but you also choose not to do it. Like I've had some clients decided to tell their their child or their children, actually, it was on a Sunday evening, just before they went to bed, just before school the next morning. Mm. Now, and in the bedroom as well, where it got anchored in anxiety, the bedroom is where you sleep and relax and let go and, you know, all of those emotions. So even getting that right, it's about thinking about it. That's why I work with parents, because it's bespoke in the terms of, you know, that one size doesn't fit all. Right. So it might take your family on a Friday uh, after school when, you know, perhaps they're relaxed and you're relaxed and you've had your fish and chips or whatever it is your, you know, your traditions are. You then think about where you're going to sit, what you're going to say. I get people to write down a few bullet points. because When you feel a bit choked up and a bit emotional, you want to be able to look back at what you want to say and the message you want to get across. And if you can sing together from the same song sheet, that's very helpful to the children. But that's not always easy unless you've worked with someone like myself to think it through a little. Because the more you are prepared, and of course life gives you curveballs, you don't have yes. the children might react, but you have at least thought it through. And, you know, you've done it in a good place where they feel safe. And the other thing to think about, I remember working with some clients, um, you know, after they told the children in the kitchen, dad got up and left the house immediately. Oh, and I didn't God. know he was going to do that because they thought, the younger ones, thought he'd left forever. Aww. So, you know, they were distraught. So, again, we need to think about some of these things so that you know what to do afterwards. Sometimes I suggest if it's, you know, in, in the early evening, that you then go to the park or you watch the programme that you usually watch or you do something that you always kind of do on that time so that it carries it into normal because things have changed. And sometimes children, um, you know, really do get distressed. Some Sometimes they just say something like, oh, okay, um, okay, um, will I still see my friend Sophie on a Thursday? Uh, will I see grandma? Uh, who's going to look after the guinea pig? Some of the questions can be, you know, not what you think at all. You right. think, oh, my goodness, it's going to be deep and meaningful and difficult. But remember that the questions and this whole thing is a process. It's not an event. The beginning of that is to tell them, and then you will have you know, lots of little conversations about what's changing, what's staying the same, what's happening. And so it's not just a one-off, it's a a process. Right. And I mean, I think children, well, I know children 
think of things that adults don't think about just like you said the guinea pig who's going to feed the guinea pig and (laughs) and that that might throw you off if you're a parent who's kind of planned everything and then that question comes in and, and you don't know what to do Yes, absolutely. Um, but I would suppose that being honest about it um, and being very matter of fact about it is probably the best way to go. And it's looking at the ages and stages and the maturity of your children. You know their personalities, you know them. But talking to teenagers, they might ask you, "Is are you having an affair? What's happened? What's led up to it? Don't be caught out by it. Just have a little think about what you want the messaging to be. But the key energy here, one of the key messages is the children must know they are not to blame. Because I've heard children say, oh, is it because I jumped in and out of your bed at night time and and, Mm. and I caused that? Or is it because I didn't get grades that I was supposed to at school? Um, Is it my fault? Because children tend to blame themselves. And one of the most important messages is no. So how you explain that to them, you know, that people, you know, you could have an analogy about friends fall out, don't you, with your friend? And that, you know, we may be parting, but we are still a family. We still love you unconditionally very key simple messages that are really important in this moment to change because their lives are never going to be the same again yeah and i've heard lots of parents say oh we're staying together for the sake of a children what are your thoughts on that not necessarily a very good idea Mm. and most people do not divorce on a whim right in my experience of 20 years of doing this it's Parents, they always want to stay together if they can. It's the death of a dream for them too. Don't forget, you know, happy families forever and raising children. And nobody does it quickly and easily. Also, the other thing I want to say, in psychology, it takes 18 months to two years to process any major life change. People don't really know that. And often when I work with clients, you know, one will say, well, I don't know why they're not over it. It's been six months or it's even someone said to me, it's been six weeks. And I thought, well, that's not realistic. they no. married 23 years. You know, your ex is not going to get over this in six weeks. It's going to take time. It's a process. And I write and talk and work with families about even explaining the process. So it is important that you don't just stay together because it's kind of like passive aggressive stuff. Kids notice. You think they don't know. Of course they do. A bit like when you go to a, I remember going to a dinner party once and everyone was very nice. We were offering a Prosecco. They were taking off coats. It was lovely. And there was such an atmosphere in the room. You could, what I call, cut it with a knife. They'd obviously had a row. And they were pretending it was all lovely. Mm -hmm. That's that intuition. Children sense that. They're very sensitive, some kids, to this. And they will be picking up the vibe right the way through, you know, maybe the last two years. And they won't be sometimes very surprised by what you're going to say to them. In fact, some children are relieved because that's going to be hopefully the end to the rouse or the, the sensing that something's wrong but they don't understand it so it's not necessarily correct to stay together for the children i don't think that's the right thing and as i said earlier it's not the divorce that damages the child it's how you handle it and what yeah. you do going forward in your co-parenting journey now that will reassure them that will help them grow up to be happy confident resilient and well-rounded yes i i agree um how have you seen 
children deal with COVID and divorce? Because obviously in the past couple of years, people have been in lockdown, people have had, you know, closer circles because they didn't want to get infected by COVID. And we've seen it all around us. There's strains in relationships everywhere. Um, people don't know how to behave anymore. <laughs> people don't, don't know how to relate to others. So I'm sure, I'm sure it's having some sort of effect on children of parents who are, have decided to get divorced during COVID? Oh, yes, without a doubt. And in fact, there has been a huge spike. I was reading some research only the other day, um, you know, around the amount of divorces that have come because of uh, COVID and, and being locked down or in close proximity with your partner yeah. for long periods of time. Um, so, yes, I mean, that is a factor in it. And sometimes it will exacerbate it because you've been very close together. Uh, sometimes it's been wonderful for some families. They've had some, have really bonded with their babies and their children and spent time with them because they had more time to, yes. to do things together. Um, so, yes, I have seen that. And I have, I work with solicitors and lawyers and family lawyers around the world around this subject, supporting families through children. And it doesn't really matter whether it was COVID induced or whether you'd just come to the end of your journey together. Um, it's around how to then go forward, whatever the reasons are. And the whole point here is no finger pointing, no blame. The key energy around the divorce is respect and dignity. And one simple thing I always do when I'm working with clients one to one is I put the photograph of their children in the front there, whether on Zoom or not. And when then we discuss something, I just say, well, what do you think, um, you know, your little Ruby was the, sto the story that came into my mind. It was a true story of a, a couple working through their parenting plan, which I help parents do with the co-parenting. And I said, well, what do you think Ruby would think of that? And he said, oh, my goodness, that's not a good idea. So it focused him suddenly on the child or children. So these simple things that I do when I work with people, because not every every divorce is the same, because there are personalities, different circumstances, different, you know, with special needs or additional needs or different cultures. So working with someone like myself helps you get it right. And I'm not here to finger point or judge or blame. I'm here to get it right for your children, because that's really what it's all about at the end of the day. Yes. I think you said something that's really important there, because I think most people think of divorce of something that's it's happening now and then it's done. But it's what comes afterwards that's actually helpful, not only to the children, but also to the parents and that, to the family as a whole. Because although the parents are separated, there's still a family with their children. Absolutely. And, you know, you are a blueprint for love. I remember somebody saying that to me um, when my father died, you know, I was a blueprint for how you handle death. So we are blueprints and role models in everything. And you don't want your child to, or your children to grow up not trusting other people in relationships. You know, so you, if you handle it well, they don't necessarily have to be damaged. And when they grow up, they will be able to forge effective and lovely relationships with other people too despite the fact you've gone through a divorce. And it's not like it was, you know, 50 years ago when it was taboo and everybody thought it was awful. These things just happen. And, you know, you've got to get out of the guilt and get out of the blame game. And you need to take your time to work through it for yourself. It's a bit like an oxygen mask. You know, that's why I work with mums in particular. I do work with dads and I do work with families. And I do work with children. But if you get it right, 
if your mental health and well-being and you know despite this big shock sometimes to people but if you get yourself in a good place then you're able to take care of your child like the oxygen mask you first so that you can take care of the children and it's not appropriate even though your child may be you know 13 or 14 or 15 or 10 to talk about the stuff that's going on mm. don't let don't don't do the friendship thing they've got plenty of friends they need you to be their parent so find someone you know sometimes when it's a friend it's a bit of a slagging off and a criticizing of the other partner and then it becomes a pity party and you know you go around there with a bottle of wine you think it's all going to be you're going in a circle mm. so when you work with someone like myself I'm just you know I'm just neutral I have no agenda I'm there to support you nurture you guide you but also move you forward gently and slowly and at your own speed and in your own time so that everybody comes out of this you know not so damaged you know it's a big it's a big life change for, yes. for everybody and some people don't even realize it's going to be that some people are relieved it's happened but actually you've still got to process what's happened and mm. you know you might be married for two years or you know 25 years it doesn't really matter it's about what it means to you and how you're going to come through it and some people find it very very difficult and challenging so I'm sort of there supporting nurturing guiding the family to make sure that actually as I say the children are not unduly damaged and neither are you you know you come forward and you go into the phoenix stage eventually so what advice would you give to parents who are getting divorced uh, but they're not sure what to do and how to how to approach the conversation with their children well the first place to start is to think about what you want to say what's the messaging you want to pass on to the children initially and that first moment is quite important and that's what i say i do an hour with lots of parents just talking that through so what are the key messaging? And I get them to draw a circle and put some spokes into it, like a, a wheel, and write down some of the guarantees or some of the things that will stay the same. Because your child must trust you. And if you overpromise at this point and you can't deliver, they will feel damaged. The trust between you will be damaged. So, of course, you don't know all the answers. You may not know where you're going to live. If you do know they're going to stay at the same school, and write that down and then you can be able to say well this is going to stay the same you will st still go to the same school you will still see Sophie on Fridays you will see grandma you know on Thursdays or whatever it is just a few of those things because that gives them the stability they know that this is going to stay the same this is going to be okay and then you start thinking about some of the other things that your you know for your family that you feel are important and that's why it's quite nice if you can do it together and you can reassure and then you go from there but don't over promise something mm. that you are not sure of because as I say that will damage the child and that's why nannies have a very unique and very special place actually going through a family going through a divorce because they can act as that stabilizer if you like you know keeping to the routines listening to the children feeding back to the family and the parents perhaps how the children are coping with it and so they have a unique and very special role and I think it's a very important role that nannies play actually through a divorce. Okay so that kind of goes into my next question how can nannies grandparents and parents help children who are going through a divorce so other than being the the you know the person who keeps things 
stable, who keeps the routine going? What else could nannies do or grandparents do? Well, it's going to be what you call a new normal. But the key energy must be respect. Respect for everybody. Despite what's happened, it's not easy, but it's very important. And nannies, again, mustn't sort of take sides, despite mm. what they're hearing and what's going on. But focus on the children. That's the first thing I would say. As a nanny, your focus is always on the children, but it's even more important during a divorce. And remember that you are able to have that safe space for, your, for the children to talk to you. You're not actually involved in it, so you can be more neutral. Of course, it's difficult because the family atmosphere might be a bit tense or different, but it's, you know, it's, it's okay for the children to know that you care, you understand, you are there if they have questions or they want to cuddle. They will get a little more insecure depending on their ages. They will want more hugs and a bit more reassurance. And, you know, that's where the nanny can offer that. Of course, don't take sides. That's a given, but it's not always easy because you hear the story. Perhaps you have a quite a, a good relationship with one or other of the parents yeah. and they will start confiding in you. But if you can, I always say it's like press your remote control on a, on a TV. That will pause and freeze frame the situation. Then take a physical step back because you need actually to be detached. So that yes. You're in a better position to look after the children and support the children. So you are an invaluable resource. Yes. So if parents try to drag you in, basically your best option is to say, I'm sorry, but I'm going to be neutral part here. Yes, and it's the way you say it. Yes. And you can sort of go, yes, you know, mm-hmm, aha, and yes, listen. <laughs> but don't get drawn into all the complications mm-hmm. because that's not going to help you. And you're not actually, you're their employer, you're not a friend. Right. And so you, perhaps you can suggest that's where people send, you know, send for me to come in and be that support to the family mm-hmm. and perhaps even to the nanny. I work with nannies as well going through the to help them negotiate the family. Um, they need to be, nannies I think need to be f- um, flexible because things are kind of in flow. They're not necessarily the same as they were. The process is coming, going through. They don't always know what will be the outcome, what the changes may be. And, you know, your, your role really has to sort of evolve. But you have to also have that balance because you've got to look after your own. If you're yes. the nanny, you've got to also look at, well, am I going to be employed here? Who is going to employ me? Um, but, you know, say, for example, a vacation or a holiday is coming up and you are still with the family in this sort of awkward stage, the transitional stage, Get clear on what your responsibilities are, mm-hmm. on your role, who's giving you the instructions now, who do yes. you listen to. There are changes and, it, you know, the transitions can be seamless, but they need communication. And like everything in life, you need to ask, we need clarity. And communication is even more important, I think, during this time. Um, you know, hopefully the parents are somewhat open with you. They don't always have to tell you all the details. But if schedules are changing or if expectations are different. And the other thing a nanny can do, I think, it's really important and really great, in fact, is keep the discipline the same. Yes. When I work with families, often one or other of the parent feels really guilty and then overcompensates with staying up late, playing on technology loads mm-hmm. of times, eating junk food, being what 
sometimes is known, I've written about the Disneyland mum or the Disneyland dad, where it's, oh, we're going here on Saturday. Right. And it's really <laughs> realistic sometimes. So a nanny can provide that consistency of it's time for bed, you're going to have your bath, you're going to do your teeth, all the usual things that give children actually security. Um, again, don't play the messenger. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure you're not a go-between between the parents because that's not going to help anybody. Mm-hmm. And you feel stuck in the middle and you feel a bit like a pawn in a game of chess that you're really not really meant to play. Mm-hmm. And then finally, if I'm really honest, for nannies, it's about clarifying your work agreement. What's happening next? And what's, you know, be clear about that. Don't be shy. Don't be uh, rushing in either. Find the right moment. Make an appointment, if that's the case, to actually say, I'd like some clarity. I'd like some, you know, it gives me confidence. I know where we're going, what's going to happen as best you can. And I know in a difficult situation with grandparents, it can be a little more complicated. But again, if the grandparents can keep things on the same sort of lines that they have had it and don't start criticising the the other partner, because don't forget to the child that mum or the dad that you're discussing or criticising is part of them. And they say, but I look like mum or I sing like dad or, mm. you know, you always say I'm like mum in that way. And you think, and then they start doubting their self-esteem, no matter how old they are. Yeah. So, again, it's being mindful. And, of course, emotions are so heightened at this time. That's why it's a good idea to sometimes pause to ponder, sometimes take a step back and just Sort of take a kind of a, a snapshot like in a camera what's actually happening right now hmm is that good what needs to change what do i need to adapt to because that then is what i call consciously looking after a child mm-hmm. which is very important and the mother and father might be not really in that space at the moment So I know you've written several parenting books and the links to everything will be attached at the bottom of this video, but you've also written a divorce journal for kids. Can you share how that journal helps the children and what age group it's aimed at? Yes, I should have had it here, shouldn't I? I don't think I've got it here. I didn't bring it with me. Um, I wrote it because uh, I, I work a lot with parents and families going through a divorce and I had I created some activities, some fun things, looking at what stays the same, what you celebrate about your family. Because although your family is changing, it's not ending. You are still a family. And so, you know, it looks at all the positive things. And then it talks about what do you like doing with mummy? What do you like doing with daddy? It gets those big conversations started with sometimes little people, I call it. And they can work through it on their own. They're all fun. You don't have to do it in order or anything. It's just a fun kind of thing. But I'm a great believer in conversations and I really want the child to feel heard. So, you know, grandma can do it with them or daddy can do it at the weekend or, you know, it's meant to be a pleasurable thing. You will get an insight. And also sometimes if you're colouring or drawing or doing something, Children don't feel sort of attacked or looked mm. too intensely at. They're doing something and you're chatting about it. And that's when the emotions and some of the things will come out. And so it's, um yeah, it's, I've you know, it helps hundreds of kids, actually. And I find it, I, I think I mentioned it to you before we came on air to talk about it. There was a little girl in my, I used to be a deputy head and class teacher for 20 odd years or more. 
And there was a little girl called Becky Fagan. I don't know where she is now. She's probably very grown up. But she said in my class when she was eight, no one's listening to me. And so I'm really sorry it took me 20 years to write it. But I wrote it with her intention so that people can listen to the children as well. Help them process the, the information for themselves. Because I talk about the seven stages of divorce. And each person and each child and grandma and uncles and, and friends are going through the different phases. And then eventually everyone sort of processes it for themselves. And I want people to do it well and positively and with dignity and respect. And then you do eventually turn a corner and you do rise again and things get back to a new normal that's okay and everyone can calm down. So that's my intention with the divorce journey. To sort of help children process it yes. and actually as you do the activities maybe with your kids it'll be good for you too yeah i think i think there is some kind of um sense that when you're doing things with children you process things better yeah true. so true actually yeah well thank you very much it's been a an interesting um half an hour of uh, information about divorce which I'm sure will help lots and lots of people um, and we hope to have you back soon for another episode maybe on a different topic I'd love that you know I'm passionate about parenting so yes. I'll talk all day <laughs> about anything you like all right. <laughs> thank you so much for having me thank you for being here thank you